Hello. Hey, there you are. Really weird. I don't know yeah. what's going on there. I don't know. I blame. Uh, well, I blame the Jews. <laughs> of course. Good start. Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. It's, that's a very good start, everybody. Welcome to MMA and Stuff here at HalfGuard.com. I'm your host, Mike Coughlin. That's Matt. Last name withheld by uh, his request. This is a show where uh, we mostly talk about the. Uh, the Elder, the, the, the Zionist scrolls and uh, some of the Elder Scrolls of Zion. I think I can't, I don't know what the fuck they do. I don't know. Let's talk about some of the shows this past weekend. Would yeah. That, would that be a fair place to start? Sure. My favorite show was uh, put on by Golden Boy oh, MMA. Yeah. Oh. Uh, this show, I, I fell asleep during several times. But I did manage to wake up for the main event, which was Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell 3. Um, you know, all of these fights have ended awesome, in my personal opinion. I, I've loved every one of these fights. Uh, this time, Tito defeated Chuck by first-round KO at 424 of, obviously, the first. Um what do you say about this fight? Chuck Liddell was like one in six in his last seven, retired for eight years, came back at 48 and looked like it. And clear. And honestly, the record you just gave overstates how effective Chuck Liddell is. I one in six and hasn't fought in eight years. That was being kind to old Chuck there. Chuck, um, literally couldn't land, couldn't land a, a punch. Yeah, you couldn't... can't take a punch or land one. Like Tito looked like some sort of like prime Anderson Silva here, dodging punches, slipping punches. Chuck couldn't land. Tito would counter and drill Chuck. And like Tito's 43, 44, I believe now, and not good. Has been out of the UFC for five years and um, has a terrible record since he last fought Chuck at UFC 66 12 years ago. Um, and somehow just dominated Liddell. Like, he looked better than any Tito Ortiz ever, but I put that mostly on Chuck being really old and not good at fighting anymore. I, I realized initially there was going to be a problem when he got out of his car with either his children or his grandchildren, possibly his great-grandchildren. I don't know who these small kids were exactly, but he couldn't walk or get out of the car. I, I immediately knew... Ooh, this is not going to be good. No, this was re- this, this was worse than I thought it would be. I thought like on, like on some like on some level, on some part of my brain was going to be like, well, you know, like they wouldn't they wouldn't really let Chuck go out there if he was that bad. But no, this is like the drinking you know Nyquil at seven a.m. Chuck Liddell doing interviews. Chuck was out there. I mean, it was it was not good. And the fact is, is that he didn't. It looked like he didn't know how to fight. All he did was just throw like a left hook, kind of. Uh, and then I think it was like the first punch that landed, and Chuck just Chuck Chuck just died. It was just like I couldn't believe how. I mean, I could believe actually because how awful Chuck looked, but it, it it made it even worse to watch it and to see that this really like I've joked before about these heavyweights and they fight and. You know, they're just kind of playing chicken. This was playing chicken. I mean, both of these guys are definitely afraid of the other one. But Tito is just a little more aggressive and a little, uh, you know, he has a few, few, he has fewer decades of drug abuse under his belt. So he was able to come out on top this time. And boy, yeah. oh boy, did he celebrate. <laughs> did Tito or Tito celebrate like he had accomplished something? 
Oh my gosh, you would have thought that he had gone back in time to UFC 66 and knocked out Chuck in the first round back then. It was awesome because he did the grave digger thing and he was going to bury Chuck. And then like the ushers, I don't know what they are, security, whatever you want to call them, got in the cage and thought like Tito was going to go after Chuck again. And they were like trying to tackle him and stop him from doing the grave grave well, dig thing. No, 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 it was no, no. like a whole mess. You, you gotta, you have to, um, you have to appreciate that those men were in that cage as a, as a safety thing, just in case Chuck and Tito went at it again. You know, they needed to be there to separate them. Uh, afterwards, Tito said he wanted to continue fighting for Golden Boy MMA. Uh, he also encouraged Chuck to fight again for Golden Boy MMA and claimed they were going to change the sport. Well, I think Tito retired today. So that didn't... Yeah. I think I saw something that Tito said he's done fighting or whatever. So that didn't seem to... Uh, they... Oh, if you fart in the middle of a forest and no one hears it, did you change the sport is really the question. I don't know. How many? Actually, they, may, they might have changed the sport. If there's ever anything that's going to like be like a wake-up call to somebody somewhere, of like we really, really should take a look at what constitutes being licensed as a fighter, this fight was it. Well, I mean, this may, this may have been worse than Ken and Hoyce. Well, both of them really sucked. Like, Tito, here's the thing. Like, Tito had the win over Bader, but most of the other times he lost. But it was, like, competitive. He never got killed in fights. Like, he almost beat Machida with that triangle. There were, like, little glimmers where Tito looked okay. He beat Chael Sonnen. He's, he, oh, yeah. he, he's been competitive. He is 44 now, but it's like Liddell was, like, they looked in totally in separate leagues. Like, Tito was taunting them and, like, had no interest in going for a takedown. He was just... He even said, like, I could just slip all his punches. And when he did hit me, I didn't even feel it, really. I was like, geez. Um, and then he just put Liddell's lights out. Like, he, he slept him, like, in dramatic fashion. I was, I was genuinely surprised that Chuck Liddell looked in the physical shape. That physically, he looked great. Yeah, like, honestly, the only way he could possibly look that way is got to be some sort of drug thing. Because, I don't know, clearly he isn't doing any training. So I, I don't know what he's doing to look like that, but it's probably not helping his long-term health. I felt either. like he had no balance too. I felt like he needs like a hip replacement or something. I think he's a 48 year old man who's been drinking for a long time and getting hit in the head. Maybe as long. True. Like, I mean, we're kind of, we thought that maybe MMA wouldn't be as bad as boxing. No, nope, it's going to be just as bad. We're going to have just as many sad, sad stories like this. shit. Well, you would think, Chuck, it's a weird one for me because it was like Chuck obviously made some money from his heyday in the UFC and he had that job where he was like an executive in the UFC for Zufa until WME, MIMG, Endeavor, Area Manual took over. And then he lost, I mean, that was supposedly 300 grand a year. He lost that job. And what do you do after a couple of years when you're not, you have no money coming in and you've been spending it thinking you had a lifetime job? Um, you need a million dollar payday, I guess. I mean, yet yet another case of uh, people just aging out of their profession and just taking any kind of work they can get. You know, we see it happening across Middle America every day. Just the people who used to run the farms are now greeting at Walmart, and Chuck's basically doing the MMA equivalent of greeting at Walmart. It's it's just sad because you would think guys like him, if anybody could 
is he going to be doing bare knuckle fights next? Do you know what I mean? Like you would think even a guy like Johnny Hendricks would have made some money and could step away, but it's anybody. It's like you retire from the UFC. You're used to making that money. And then when the money's not coming in, you still got that $5 million house. You got to pay that mortgage and kids and cars and everything else you were spending money on. They don't think ahead. Um, what gets me is that they make the kind of money where you almost hire they, someone. Well, for one, you should hire somebody, but also if you made, say, say Chuck made $10 million in his career. Yeah. That's enough money, even after taxes and everything else that he should have paid off his house by now. Right. Like realistically at a certain point, if you pay off your house and you have enough money in the bank, like, as long as you don't live crazy, right. it shouldn't be that difficult. And yet, especially when you, again, Chuck was, he went to college, you know, he's like an accountant or whatever. They used to brag about him. They yeah. Chuck I was an accountant. <laughs> and so he, he knows how numbers work. Yeah. Maybe he just maybe really want. Maybe he's got money and just wanted to fight again. I don't know. I guess eight years later things catch up to you. Although maybe he really just doesn't like. To... Oh, whatever. He's just. I hope he dies soon, just for his sake. Wow. Well, it's only going to get worse. I don't think Chuck Liddell life improves going forward. You might be getting worse. I mean, best case scenario, he ends up like Jake the Snake. Well, Jake ended up okay. Did he? He's he's living in a house with DDP, who's yelling at him every couple of hours not to do drugs. That's his life, and he considers his life a success. He sounds relatively happy. I don't know, because well, he's probably because he's sneaking drugs somewhere. In uh, if you had to guess how many buys this show did, what would be your twelve thousand? Realistic, maybe maybe twenty. Did more than twenty. Why would why would it do more than twenty? Because it's Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. Yeah, it could be. It could have been the the body of Michael Jackson versus Justin Bieber. Nobody knew this was happening. I mean, they put a fucking show on on Black Friday or the Black Saturday, whatever <laughs> Saturday it is. You know, whatever gray Saturday, and uh, the only attention this show got was last second attention everybody went what the fuck is this <laughs> i say eighty thousand buys is my prediction Eighty thousand, man pride didn't do eighty thousand. i understand i think less people knew about japanese mma than they knew about tito ortiz and chuck liddell did Maybe. in the I'm, united states I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with 20 it's, okay. like a, it's like a really 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 big ring of honor show <laughs> <laughs> in the co-main, uh, uh, Darren Wynn, who is known as Daniel Cormier Jr., defeated Tom Lawler and really short. This guy yeah. is really short. Like, I, I don't know if he's 5'7", and he fights like he might qualify 205. for disability, yeah. Um, real good wrestler, I guess, like Olympic-level sort of alternate sort of thing for the United States. Uh, defeated Tom Lawler via unanimous decision 30 27 on all three cards uh this was a fight i was in and out for i i tried to stay awake but i was watching this in bed and it was challenging it, it wasn't very good at all but it was it was impressive in the sense of just like early daniel cormier fights are impressive from the context of you have to appreciate what you're seeing which is essentially an unknown amateur beating a legitimate UFC level fighter. Now, Tom Waller is right. not great or anything like that, but he's a real fighter. Like, I can right. actually go up there and fight. He can fight at a professional level. And he went in there with a guy who 
probably has not really done that much training, but just due to his pure athleticism and wrestling, can go out there and win the fight. I mean, and, and with his special talent for being that small and that short, he can really go places in the sport, especially when they implement the, the Matt Grady height divisions. He's just going to dominate the shit out of people. He's going to really, really take people apart. I should push for that more. I mean, I mean, it's going to be him versus Mighty Mouse. It's going to be a hell of a division. Or Michelle Prezeris and him is the fight to make. I thought you were saying Michelle Waterson. That would be good. The, he wait, He's double her weight, but the same height. What the fuck would the world do if next like weekend they had this 205-pound black guy beat the fuck out of a 100-pound little Asian chick just in a cage and said, this is a sport, and he just pounded her? I mean, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be Trump's America, man. Let's see it. Uh, it's not that much the different than Tito and Chuck. Uh, she probably has a better chance. <laughs> At least she could grab a toehold or something. I don't know. Did, uh, do you expect Golden Boy MMA to have a second show ever? Uh, no. I, no. I, I would imagine that they did most of the money laundering with this show. And it's going to be really obvious if they do a second show, just what's going on here. So I think they're one and done. Yeah, nothing else on the undercard really catches my eye. So I, I would like to make note that um, a few people had thoughts on the show. One was Dana White. He uh, was on that UFC Unfiltered podcast deal they do and said this. Chuck Liddell is almost 50 years old and has no business fighting anymore. The fact the state of California let that fight happen is disgusting. It's disgusting. Chuck Liddell has an incredible legacy. He's a huge superstar. Anybody who claims to be a friend of Chuck Liddell and was anywhere near that fight is full of shit. They're not a friend of Chuck Liddell. To let him go in and fight this fight is terrible. He's probably mad because he wanted to bring Chuck up for three fights against John Jones or something. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say there was one positive to this show, and it was a huge positive. Frank Mir was back on commentary and he was fucking as great as ever. I could listen to Frank Mir break down what's happening in fights all day. He's incredible. Now, when he's on camera, awkward as shit. His small talk, little friendly stuff, he looks like, looks like a guy who doesn't know how to talk to people. But when he gets into his little autistic zone, it's special. He's really good. Uh, in regards to Oscar De La Hoya, White said, I heard last week the cokehead Oscar De La Weirdo was talking shit that I don't have any place to tell guys when to retire. It's called friendship. It's friendship, you fucking cokehead. I've been friends with Chuck <laughs> Liddell for 20 years, and the reality is Chuck Liddell retired when he should have retired eight or nine years ago. Uh, first of all, he should have retired even before he retired. And um, well, you know, it doesn't have the right to tell anybody to retire. It, I don't think you really need like some sort of special, like, you know, unless you've done it, unless you've actually stepped into the ring, you shouldn't comment it. You shouldn't criticize your cinema unless you've hit the ball over the, over the outfield wall. You don't really know what it's like to play. It's like, he's a 48 year old man who got like shattered by one punch. Yeah. Trust me. My, my uh, crippled mother would be able to tell you right away. I don't think, I don't think that the guy that can get out of the car, I mean, Honest to goodness, my mother just got a new hip, and she moves better than Chuck. It's not a joke. I mean, it is a joke, but it's true. So, yeah, I think it's okay to say, eh, I think Chuck's just, uh, he's overextending himself a little bit here. I wouldn't uh, let Chuck Adele swim unaccompanied in the pool. 
Yeah. There, he said, there comes a day and age fighting is a young man's game and Liddell should not have allowed himself to be talked into this stupid shit. <laughs> I love Dana. Yeah, I love when he's <laughs> Dana. Just, just raw and just honest. Like, they, this is half a billion dollar Dana. Just like, that's a stupid shit. And you can just see it breaks his heart because he really thought that he maybe saved some of these guys. And yeah. nah, there it is. Like, fucking Chuck Liddell's getting killed by Tito. Matt Hughes got hit by a train. Like, all of Dana's hard work is just for nothing. Well, it's also Dana White's worst nightmare when Tito beats the shit out of Chuck. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, like, his worst enemy ever, Tito Ortiz. Uh, White continued, when I asked Chuck to retire, he didn't want to either. He should have retired when he did and stayed retired. But like the cokehead said, Chuck's a grown man and can do whatever he wants to do. But that's when the state of California has to step in and save him from himself. I, I, is Dana implying that the coke is a is it like a negative part of his personality? Like I'm not really sure why he's ragging on the coke part so much, unless he thinks he's only making these deals because he's all coked up. What is it like 1984? Who's doing that much cocaine, anyways? White closed with, "I hope somebody talks De La Hoya into fighting again. I hope the state of California makes the fight, and I hope he gets knocked out just like Chuck in the first round." Fucking cokehead nutball. I guarantee you if Austin De La Hoya came back to fight, he would do much better than Chuck. He could fight he could fight triple G and he would probably make it to the seventh or eighth round. Like like come on. Like Chuck is first of all, Dana, you ruined Chuck. You're the one that broke that horse. All right. Like I know that somebody else is riding it into the ground one last time, but you broke that one there, buddy. So let's not place all this blame on uh, on Oscar here. This is, I mean, Chuck looked like shit before he got into the cage, and uh, the last time he fought was in the UFC. So you guys did that to him. One of my top ten favorite fighters, John Jones, wrote on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah, it's official. I am never replying to Chuck calling me out again. It's official, man. It's fucking official. He was on the fence. And he had let everybody know he's made it official. He's not going to – he could have just not responded to him ever again. But he wanted to let people know it's official. He probably got it notarized and everything. <laughs> he got a witness. He does know a lot about lawyers and court cases now. So he made science. Sense. Science proved it, man. Yeah, he, he did media rounds this week. I'm not exactly sure why this week. Uh, um, I, I think it's got to be some sort of like – test run to see can we trust this guy can he do this <laughs> we'll just put him in one building with espn softball stuff can we make it through a day and yeah. the answer is uh i don't know maybe not <laughs> he talked to uh ariel uh this past monday and told him that um he's sober except he drinks and smokes weed now i mean it's a rolling version of sober you know like a rolling stop and stop sign it's kind of sober it's sober if you ignore the drugs part yeah you ignore the part where the where the grown man who is like a month out from a huge huge fight was clearly on drugs throughout an entire day's worth of interviews and openly said that he's not even stopped drinking yet this far out from the fight it's only a month it's only a month. Like, like Ariel's like, are you going to stop yet? And he goes, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know, not yet. You know, I like to have my fun, but I'll stop before the fight. It's like, dude, there's only like three weekends to go. 
<laughs> like, how much drinking you got left to do, you asshole? Like, one of those you're going to be fighting. The other one, you're going to probably be, like, in an airplane or something. So, realistically, he just asks, are you going to drink in the next two days? And you're like, eh, I can't really tell you no. Uh, Ariel asked him if he's sober. He said, no, I still drink and smoke pot, too, every once in a while. I'm in a very healthy place. I mean, who knows? My coaches know I drink. Not like a crazy, crazy amount. Some weekends. Mainly on the weekends. Mainly. You're a goddamn fucking professional fighter. And you're like, I only drink on the weekends. Like, you're a, you're not a plumber. You're not some guy who's like, yeah, you know, we're just letting him go with his head. Like, first of all, like, I'm pretty sure, like, in those definitions of alcoholics, if you drink every single weekend, somebody would, yeah, you're an alcoholic. Let alone when you have multiple DUIs in your record or whatever. <laughs> Being sober was something I was striving for, especially going to rehab this summer. I was striving for complete sobriety, but I'm not ready for it. It's okay, just... I, I, gotta, I gotta like the guy that showed up and he's like, you know what, man, I really want to be sober. Shows up to rehab and comes out and goes, you know what, guys, it's just not for me. I saw, what it, I saw what life would be like. I just don't think I can do it right now. Maybe I'll come back to it someday. For now, I think this looks like bullshit. He continued, it's not who I was and it's not who I am in my life or career. <laughs> not and who I, I was. It. I'm a drug user. I mean, again, I identify with him. I think he's correct. But it's a really weird way to put things when everybody, when everybody tells you you have a problem and you yourself think, you know what, I might have a problem. And you go to rehab and you come out going, eh, I don't think I have a problem. I'm at a place where I can be honest with myself, but being in there definitely matured me a lot. I, I've never – John Jones – is like the Benjamin Button of maturing, man. Like, he just keeps getting more and more mature in a weird order, and I'm not sure which way it's going. Uh, in addition to Golden Boy MMA, we also had UFC Fight oh, Night. You, you, by the way, you skipped yes. a lot of – like, I know that like, okay. we can't go over all of it. But that what whole, else you got? I don't even really know. I just watched the whole interview about an hour ago, and I watched mm. the whole thing on first take with Kellerman, where Kellerman was kind of like grilling Jones. And yeah. John Jones – is I mean, I've said it a lot, but he really is Donald Trump. He's got this weird way of just he's convinced himself of truths. He is a per, he is a perpetual victim at all times. And it's weird, like Jones has real insecurities. Like you can just tell people like they said that before is this because I had long arm or my brother's from the NFL. Like he's really bothered by people discounting his success. And then his attitude towards Cormier continues to be astounding. He was out there and he's talking like, I'm ready to bury the hatchet. The beef is over. And then he's like, all Cormier needs to do is admit and say to everybody that I was, be that I was at a disadvantage the first time I fought him and I beat him. And then the second time I fought him, I knocked him out and he lost and I'm better. He just needs to say that. And then everything's over. It's like, what fucking world do you live on? You are out of your mind. Like, I think he wants Cormier to walk over and prostrate himself, bend down, like, take a knee, kiss the ring, the whole thing. It's amazing. And then he was saying to Kellerman, like, shit about how, like, science proved that I didn't cheat. Like, he kept saying the word science the way that I did. Right. Like, you see, like, people use it, like, in political shorthand, like, oh, they're against science. Like, well, don't you believe in science? As if science is like, the, well, science says it. Science says I didn't cheat. Science. And the Kellerman asked him, well, do you even know where the steroids came from? And he still doesn't have an answer. <laughs> Which I think in his mind, and I, because I actually have a lot of this kind of like 
rationality thing, like ability to rationalize my evil shit in my head. I think a lot of what Jones is doing is like he's saying, I don't know how the drugs got in my system. And isn't that such a crazy thing to say that it must be true? You tell, like you tell something that we, it, but it's also something that if you were, you know, a victim of this, well, that's what it would be. If you, if you really were telling the truth the first time, I don't know how they got my system. It's a fucking damned mystery. I'm the only one that it's happened to. Actually, that's not true at all. This, this, this does seem to be a bit of an epidemic amongst the supplement industry. Or, or people just make up the same fucking lie every time and they just keep believing it. It's one of those. Well, the thing with Jones in this case was they tested all the supplements and none of the them had Oster even. The, the ones that he gave them. They tested the supplements that he provided, remember? Right. He, he said, this is the stuff I got. Is there anything in there? No. Then I don't know where it came from. That's his, that was his answer. His answer is basically, I gave them stuff. They said it wasn't on that, so I don't know. He also claims he's scared to go out to eat now because people might spike his food or drinks with like I said, steroids. Trump-like. He's Trump-like. He's afraid to eat food that he doesn't know prepared. I bet he gets all of his food at McDonald's anonymously as well. Uh, I, bet, I bet John Jones trusts his gut all the time. I bet every decision John Jones makes is, guys, I got a feeling about this. I'm usually right on things. Yeah. Well, I, I, I hope... Here's the thing with Jones. I, and I know we've talked about this like literally probably a dozen times. But I, I want to see him get his shit together and fight. I mean, like, he's, he's the best fighter ever. Like, it's not like a question. He's the best fighter ever. Like, just fight. Like, I, I'm tired of this bullshit and him fucking up. I've been tired of it for a long time. And it's just, it's played I'm out. I am. I want another fight week fuck up. I I will laugh and I, I will probably applaud it because I'm sick and I like to see people fuck up. But at the same time, I'd like to see him go on another run like he did in 2011 where he just finishes every guy in the division and blows through everybody. Um, he can do both. Just because he, but he's not going to, he's going to fuck up and be yeah, out so another far. two years. It's like he, he wasted the prime of his career when he could have done some amazing shit. I, I, mean, I don't know what else he could have done, I, but I, I can watch DUIs on websites all the time and people crash yeah. their cars and fall and get hurt and, I can watch drunk idiots on Instagram all the time. I, I can't watch John Jones fight all the time because he's so fucked up. I want to watch him fight. Actually, I would be very happy if John Jones was getting in so many DUIs that we could watch him on Instagram routinely. And let's face it, if you did have a camera following Jones 24-7, that would be one hell of a show. It would be. Like, it if you be. could somehow get something unfit, and it would have to be like, a drone that Jones doesn't know is there, so he's like, like, a, like, a, like you know, like an animal that isn't aware what a zoo is or something like that. And then you can just see him in his natural environment. I bet it's fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are fascinating. You can watch Intervention and see that stuff. You can't see many people fight like John Jones. That's all. Um, 
so yeah, we had a uh, UFC show this uh, past Saturday. It was on very early. I believe the main card started at 6.30 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> I woke up in time to see the, the top two fights on this show. In the main event, Francis Ngannou defeated Curtis Blades. This was in Beijing, China. Uh, Ngannou won by TKO. Punches at 45 seconds of the first round. Um, and the shot he hit Blades with was like an overhand right that Blades kind of blocked some of it, but it still knocked him down. And Ngannou hit some punches on the ground, and uh, the ref stepped in and stopped it. Eventually. I mean, Blades got eight, Blades ate way too many shots in this fight. Like, he was getting – he he was yeah. done. Like, he was clearly done. But – and, like, even Ngannou was like, I don't know what to do. But they got – he really just kind of like, I don't want to keep hitting this guy. I'm a nice French black guy. I don't know what the fuck he is. But uh, – He's both of those, but anyways, yeah, it was a, yeah. It was a, uh, a he got his big win, and we can all. It's hey, let's just say the old Francis and Gano is back. Yeah, he could be a Vitor Belfort type. Oh in that yeah, way. Oh, he's gonna absolutely him and Alistair will bring the. That's what the heavyweight division is. It's just either you're winning the first round or you look like shit. Tough loss for Blades because he was on a, a, a like I think he was ranked third as a heavyweight and had a couple wins under his belt. He beat Overeem and Mark Hunt and was looking pretty good. And then uh, this is a tough loss. He's still young. I think Blades is only twenty seven, so he has at least another fifteen years in the heavyweight division in his prime. So <laughs> he's gonna win um, the title. He, he can make a comeback for sure. And then Ngannou gets a win, so I, I don't know where he goes next. Mark um, Hunt. Well, we're going to get to Hunt a little later. He's he's fighting this weekend in the last fight in the last fight of his deal. So I don't really see Mark Hunt with the lawsuit still out against the UFC coming back to fight again anytime I'm sorry. soon. Why, why do you think that that would prevent him from fighting? That hasn't prevented him from fighting so far. Well, I think he wants out, and I, I could see him ending up in Ryzen or one yeah, somewhere true. like that. Yeah, it seems like a better fit. That's yeah, it's closer to home. He could do more weird shit. Yeah, it's definitely for him. He can get drunk and get better quicker. Uh, in the co main, we had Alistair Overeem defeating Sergey Pavlovic by TKO 421 in the first. A career highlight, no doubt. <laughs> it was nice to see uh, old Reem get a win. He, he, he looked decent here. The other guy, Pavlovic, uh, was a little quicker. And then, um, I don't know, did Overeem, what did Overeem hit him with? Did a hammer. Punch? His big a hammer. hammer? Yeah. He got his big Demolition Man hammer from old school Overeem and Pride. Overeem uh, off two straight losses against Ngannou and Curtis Blades, both knockout losses. Uh, got a win here. So I remember it was like he actually got it was on the ground. It was like ground and pound. It was just these like brutal like hammer fists. I remember now. It's coming back to me. Oh, um, good. I was worried. Well, they were like I. What I remember about them is you know how sometimes you can actually hear the impact of the punches. Of course. But you don't always. <laughs> Well, no, uh, I do in my do, Are you blasting the, the, the shows? Because a lot of times you don't like, you could hear these punches on the ground. They were, no, they I were make brutal. my own sound effects. I'm like, <laughs> like, it's like a martial arts film around here. Yeah, no, that sounds like uh, one of the plausible. reasons. Yeah. yeah, it sounds plausible. And also why uh, probably no one wants to watch anything with you. Uh, so that's a nice also, way of saying why I'm divorced. Overeem. Yeah. 
wants to I don't think that was the reason Overeem <laughs> wants to fight the Black Beast next sure yeah do let's it. do it yeah. he says the Black Beast has uh, no skills yeah. and can only hit hard which is basically all you need to beat Overeem this from the guy whose entire run at heavyweight has basically been because he's gigantic and hits real hard like I know he's got some he's got more technical skills but let's face it dude when you were in k1 you were just a mini bob sap uh also on the main card we had yadong song defeating vince morales by unanimous decision yadong gets a win and needed it my yadong really needed that victory uh and then in the opener, look at that card look at that fucking card up and down just look at those names and just jump off the page at you li jing lang defeated david zawada uh by tko this was actually a decent fight it was mostly standing i, I saw this one after the fact uh and this guy uh what's his name did i say li jing lang it's not bad in the ufc he is now uh eight and three believe it or not mr coughlin Li Jing Lang, eight and three in the UFC. Of the famous uh, Li family, yes, he's uh, quite accomplished. He is is related to Jet Li. He also has four uh, performance bonuses as well. I saw some chick win by armbar also. <laughs> On the show or just in general? Yep. <laughs> just in general, I was, I was at the store. And they're fighting over turkey. Uh huh. It was impressive. Interesting. She's 350 pounds and she pulled off that armbar. I couldn't believe it. How was your Thanksgiving? It was fine. It yeah, was a some... while ago now. Yeah. It was last week. I mean, not yeah. that long ago. <laughs> Six days ago. I, mean, I know, but, but for our program, it doesn't get any further away than last Thursday. That is true. Plus, we're in Trump time, so it, a lot's happened since then. <laughs> To say the least, we have a new, we have another, we have another senator get elected. What the fuck's going on? I mean, they're not stopping with this. It's weird down south, isn't it? Man, I don't know. I don't know why we fought so hard to keep it. Like in hindsight, that wasn't one of our better moves. Uh... It, was like the, it was like the original <laughs> neocon move. It really wasn't like just like Iraq and all this stuff. It just keeps sticking around, and like de- generations later, you're like, you know, we really should just let them fucking leave, like. They were just whatever. Uh, I wonder what the world would be like. It'd be weird. It would be way different. Whatever um, what we call America would still probably be the most powerful country, but I could actually see, uh, I don't know, them Southerners. I mean, look, slave labor makes money, man. I mean, look at China. And so if they kept the slavery thing going... How, how fucking weird would that be if we lived next door to a country that had real slave labor? Maybe they do in Mexico, actually. They might, actually, for all I know. So perhaps, perhaps I do live in such a, such a land. And from my ivory tower up here, I don't know what's happening with them brown folk. My wife w- was texting me something earlier. And okay. something about China, right? No, oh, okay. it wasn't, a, it wasn't anything. Slave labor. It was <laughs> She's like, hey, she I said a good I, idea. I, I know how to, I know how to increase the profit margin of the store. No, no, she texted me. They're doing in China. They're doing a credit score that's tied to your oh, yeah, social interactions. Yeah, they've been tracking this one for a while. 
So, like, if you leave your dog shit in someone's yard or are rude or write something negative on Facebook, they lower your score and no one will give you loans or even hang out with you. You can be blacklisted. It's weird, man. It's fucking creepy. It's fucking creepy. Don't you? But here's the thing. Don't you think if you're the type of person who does, who talks a lot of shit on social media or lets their dog shit in other people's yards, you're probably an outcast with no friends anyway. I've got friends. Uh, I I I got friends. Hey, in other news, I, I did some more research on Sue Muda Dejiri. Of course. And it turns out his first name is actually Sue. Oh. And S-U, and then Mudairji is his last name. So it's not Sue Mudairji, Sue Mudairji. It's just Sue Mudairji. He lost by armbar to Louis Smoka, who uh, revealed on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani that he... Uh, in his last like two years of being in the UFC, where he went zero and four, he uh, was blackout drunk six days a week. So he trains with John Jones, doesn't he? <laughs> Not sure who he trains with, but apparently he's sober now. Sure, everybody's sober these days, and he's on a uh, big win streak here. He's got one win over Sue Madaijiri. I mean, Still look, no no lot, wiki page for him. Lots of people that were just like, what is it, like a year removed from drinking to the point of blacking out six days a week. Within a year, most of them are completely sober and have no reoccurring issues. They don't have, they've worked through all, all the shit that drove them to this. There's no underlying psychological damage that needs to be checked. He's, he's totally okay to go back to a life of, uh, oh, what's that? You're a cage fighter? Oh, yeah. That's your fuck. <laughs> Did uh, anyone else on this show catch no. your eye? Wu Yanan? No? No, nope, I'm not a fan. Shahang Whaley? No, piece of shit. Liu Pingwan? Known anti Semite. Zhao Nan Yan? Racist. Huh. Yeah. Hell of a card. They, they, just, they, they, they just kind of shudder all these types of characters off to these foreign shows, hoping that we won't notice. But I know this. Fight of the Night went to Alex Morono versus. Keenan Song performance of the night were Francis Ngannou and Li Jing Lang. And that is what happened in China. One of many things I'm sure over the past weekend. Conor McGregor is banned from driving for six months and fined over $1,000 for speeding. I feel like if you could find $1,000, you should be suspended longer than six months. This is in Ireland. No, that's true. A thousand dollars. No, that should be even long. That's a thousand dollars is even more money to those people. So it's like half a half a month's salary for most of the Irish. On Wednesday, Judge Desmond Zaydan handed down the disqualification to the notorious one after he pleaded guilty to breaking the hundred kilometers per hour speed limit at Black Church on the N seven Kilco Kildar. On October eleventh, twenty seventeen. I love how all of those words are like I'm. A, I'm aware that they are in theory English because of the phonetics of it all, but I don't understand any of that. I don't know what kilometers <laughs> are. I don't know any of these roads. Like you could have just been making that could be something from like a Star Trek script, and I'd be like, yeah, sounds about right. PH two miles. Per two points. Hour. Isn't it two point two or something like that? I don't know. Hang on. 
Yeah, no, that's interesting. Oh, funny. it's only sixty-two miles an hour. Yeah, it's not bad. He was probably doing it in a school zone, though. Doing it, doing it, doing it right. Yeah, I bet he was. It's doing it well. He's Conor McGregor. He does it right. That little cool, Jay. Uh, according to the RTE report, McGregor said, "I got to drive safer after pleading guilty." The Irish Independent reports that the judge noted that that the Irishman had twelve previous motoring convictions. That's a. I wonder what that really means, but that's kind of impressive. You really shouldn't be able to get that many after like the first half dozen. They should like take your license from you. But Ireland, I guess they're a Catholic nation, a little more forgiving of things over there. Yeah, John Jones and Conor McGregor have a lot in common. Both great cage fighters. Both have cocaine problems. And they both aren't allowed to drive cars. Probably both killed pregnant women. <laughs> that might be a leap. John Jones says he's a good person. Of the two of them, I think I would... Oh, you know, Conor McGregor by far the better person. I was thinking, like, if I had a baby, who would I trust to watch my baby? And it's like, it's Conor McGregor. It's not even a question, it's Conor McGregor. I would genuinely not leave a child alone with John Jones. I think he would, like, I could see him passing out, smoking crack, and lighting the house on fire. I bet that's how John Jones' story ends. <laughs> fucking strung out of some shitty couch with Chuck doing crack. That that is a good um, like survey question to ask people. Who would you rather watch your baby, Conor McGregor or John Jones? That's been fun. Like seriously, I have a feeling Conor McGregor would like probably have you probably like look at the kid and, like acknowledge it and play with the baby and things yeah. like that. John Jones would just like be playing pool or something. Get pissed if the kid's crying. He doesn't seem like he has a lot of patience. Uh, how about Chuck Liddell? Would you let him watch your baby? Um, I would trust him. Ugh, him versus Jones would be tough. I mean, I think jo- I think Chuck is a better person. I would trust him as like to know what the right thing to do is more. But boy, all those concerns I'd have about Jones falling asleep smoking the crack pipe doubled for Chuck. So yeah, that that would be a, like Connor. I think he's a straight coke. So I think he's wired enough that he'd be awake. Jones is going to slide into something that just puts you into a state of uh, bliss. And Chuck just lives in that state. And I admire the man for it. Last week, we uh, talked about Rachel Ostevich mm-hmm. and the alleged assault at the hands of her husband, Arnold Burdon. Um, he's been charged with attempted murder, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> um, uh, Ostevich was hospitalized and later treated for a broken orbital bone. It was initially reported that she would be f- forced to withdraw from an upcoming bout with Paige Van Zant on January 19th. But both Ostevich and Van Zant have confirmed that the fight is still happening. So Ostevich, after taking a beating from her <sighs> husband, is just going to say, I don't give a fuck and get in there and fight Paige Van Zant. One, great news for the husband. Or boyfriend, whatever it is, because that's a that's a good defense in court. Like one day you look at the jury and be like, "Look, they're accusing me of attempted murder. Not that I punched her, not that I committed a battery, but that I almost that I tried to kill her." She was fucking cage fighting. Like forty days later, how much damage could I have really done there? I mean, come on. Like if I had really hurt her and really come close to killing her. Uh, 
she wouldn't be cage fighting. Also, I'm actually very fascinated to see how Paige Van Zandt handles this because of all the women in the UFC still, she by far has the biggest mainstream, you know, following. She has to treat like domestic abuse very lightly because like all high profile women have to, you know, come out against it. I guess. I mean, some of them might be for it, but I think most of them are against it. And like, how do you build up like your fight? Like, I'm going to go in a cage and beat the shit out of you. By the way, it's a real tragedy that more women in America don't have a, you know, are, are an abusive situation. It's kind of like the act of beating somebody up in a cage is also an act of acknowledging, hey, I think you can hold your own a little bit. It's not totally a one-sided fight. Meanwhile, she's a victim of getting beat in a one-sided fight. I guess what I'm trying to say is women can't take a punch. PVZ wrote on Twitter, Happy birthday, Matt! Fight's still on. I couldn't be more grateful. G-R-E-A-T space (laughs) F-U-L-L. Does she have people to do this for her? I couldn't be more grateful to Rachel Ostevich. Yes, we are going to war with each other in the cage, but I stand by her side with her ongoing battle at home. Let's put on a fight wow. and show these people how strong we are. Fuck's sake. I know you think you're being poetic, but don't in the same sentence say that you're going to war in the cage, but you support her battle at home? She really was a victim of a domestic assault, attempted murder. That should not be on the same like playing field as your cage fight. And yet, she went there. <laughs> Uh, maybe she should choose her words more wisely. She's got breast implants. I don't think she's exactly a Rhodes Scholar here. How dare you? I, I, I felt like you were going to respond that way, but let's, it's Paige Van Zandt. She got him after she became famous. Who does she, that? She has, gets, a pu- she has a published autobiography. How I dare mean, you? Who gets, who becomes famous and then says, now I need the fake tits. Like, we know what you look like. We know what you did. You're not, you're, young very, enough, you're not young enough that we could pretend like they grew overnight. Like, I'm pretty sure puberty happened. You got fur down there. You're too judgmental. It's my job. <laughs> uh, someone who uh, used to be friendly with uh, Paige Van Sant is Sage Northcutt. They both came into the UFC young around the same time. Uh he is apparently moving on from the UFC. Dana White said on the Unfiltered podcast, his contract was up, so we let him go. Keep going. Sage is young, and Sage needs some work. So let him get some work in one of these other organizations, and we'll see where this kid, kid ends up in a couple of years. And maybe we'll pick him back up again. Um, I mean, that's a nice way of saying he's just not good enough. I uh, here's the thing they have right of first refusal on any contract offer my hunch is he got a better offer and they didn't want to match it Look, why just let we, him go we, we've seen like, how like, oops. like he's actually now we young. Play, now we okay. he's young he's won some fights in the UFC he's kind of got a little bit of a following Every day, yes. another golden retriever gets thrown out of his home and needs shelter. Yeah. For the cost of whatever fucking one FC pay-per-view costs, 
you too can support a lost puppy. All right, yeah. I don't want to cry anymore, so yeah. It's real I, sad. I, I never I, feel bad when I see those dogs suffering. Fuck, you're a monster. I literally can't watch those commercials, but nobody can. But uh, anyway, Sage is, uh, it's, it's, it's the best. I usually for... pause them and I go get something to eat. Then I come back and eat and watch them. It's the best thing for pa- uh, Paige, uh, Sage's career here. He got a little UFC exposure. He never really looked like bad in the UFC. Like he had his losses, but. There was think... that choke against Barbara Rania. That was pretty, pretty oh, pathetic. Yeah. But then, you know, for a guy that young, he had enough good wins. He's got a bit sure. of a name and he's so young that. Really, the best thing for him is to be out there fighting. And uh, I think that 1FC is going to be a godsend for a lot of these guys um, until they probably the checks bounce or whatever the fuck happened with that scam. Well, that just uh, this just brings up the point, and, and I always think of this, where people are like, oh, look at free agency now. No one seems to understand once you sign a deal with the UFC, they get to counteroffer when your deal is up. Like when Mark Hunt's deal is up, and if Ryzen offers him a million dollars a fight, UFC can match that offer and keep him if they want to. Yep. Like that's written into everybody's deal. It's just it is what it is. But like whenever when Benson Henderson goes to Bellator or whatever, it's like holy shit, this is a game changer. It's like no, the UFC just didn't want to match that offer, and that's they're I mean, up to them. You I mean, know? In, in some respects, yes, it's actually a literal game changer because. Bellator is upsetting the apple cart. That's not how the, the pay scale goes. And the UFC is like, fuck it. You want to pay that much money? Go for it. And we've seen that uh, not yet. I don't think the UFC has been burned on any of these decisions yet, which is really mm-hmm. remarkable. Like, not a single one of them has some people have been like, wow, they really, uh, they'd be really better off right now if they had uh, Ryan Bader. That would really help the company. <laughs> yeah, nobody's saying that. Uh, he also touched on uh, the flyweight division. He was asked about TJ Dillashaw commenting that he's being paid extra to shut down the flyweight division. <laughs> and White said, TJ Dillashaw didn't do shit to the flyweight division. The flyweight division just never took off. It never caught on. Even with a dominant champion like Demetrius, it just never caught on. People didn't care. I battled for a long time. I tried to keep it alive, and obviously it's still going on now. We still have fights going on in that division, <laughs> but we'll see what the future holds for it. <laughs> That's a guy that halfway through a sentence is like, shit, we're still promoting this thing. And obviously it's still happening here. But first of all, TJ had a great line and a great gimmick, and you just shit on him. I don't know why you have to shit on TJ for that. Like, obviously he's hyping the fight, and your response is, TJ's just an idiot. And uh, don't give me this, people don't respond to the division. Don't respond to the 125-pound women, and yet... You've had like three champions in a year and nobody's defended their title. I don't even know who that that's right, they don't have a champion. That division's still there. It's a division. I mean, you have cyborgs division. That's not even a division. This is weird. I think Dana just hates I don't know. It's fucking stupid. No one's gonna care. No one's gonna care when it's over. Because I think we all realize that the guys are just too small to be that entertaining. Like nobody really remembers. Has there ever been like a great fight at Flyway? Like, there's been fights for me. But, like, you can think right now, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember when Dry Faber and Dominic Cruz fought at 135. What an amazing fight. 145 has, you know, Leonard Garcia, a Korean zombie. You're like, holy shit. And so on and so forth. 
I don't think anybody's ever like, hey, remember that one fight at 125 pounds and like the guys just like hit each other 700 times in 15 minutes and then they played video games on Twitch? <laughs> what is the best flyweight fight ever? I have no idea. DJ must have. I, DJ had some good fights. Didn't he? Oh, um, you know what? If I have to guess, I would say that. Um, I guess, like in 2017, last year, I guess that would be. Um, there was a really, really good fight um, with Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott had some like essential nonstop scramble, and it was really good. I and I can't remember who it was with. And I think that was a really good fight. So, yeah, that's the one. And Mighty Mouse's cool armbar. That's the entire history of the flyweight division. I, I liked um, Mighty Mouse and Uncle Creepy, the first one. Yeah, that was a good fight. Yeah. The draw. The division that started with a draw. Which is really, that really should have been a sign of things to come. Like, oh, fuck, a draw. <laughs> Have you heard of Paolo Miao? Uh-huh. Jiu-jitsu guy? Jiu-jitsu genius and all that. Okay. Yeah. He's got a, a brother who's also a genius like that. I think Paolo popped. One of them popped for steroids, like, I remember, like, in the past year or two. And, like, we're talking real thin midget types. <laughs> the reason I bring this up, uh, USADA has added an additional three months to Paolo Miao's two-year suspension, which began on September 29th of 2016 after he tested positive for a banned substance in June of 16. Uh, USADA sent out a press release with the details of the sanction explaining that Miao's participation in the World Grappling Championship on September 8th had caused him to violate the terms of his suspension. Miao accepted the terms of the additional sanction and claims he was unaware that he wasn't permitted to compete at the World Grappling Championship under the original ban, having believed it only applied to IBJJF events. Miao was disqualified at the event following a first-round victory against Aman Yunusov after organizers learned that he was ineligible to compete. How does he? How do you get through one match and then learn? I don't know. Like, first, I like that he's out there competing, and somebody's like, hey, you check to see if he's allowed to do this? Did that paperwork come in? And like maybe, maybe it came out that somebody like prints off. They go, "Oh dear God!" And they start running down the hall. Don't let him get back on mat number two. He's been suspended by USADA. And USADA's like, "Yeah, three more months." I didn't. Know. So USADA's involved with like jujitsu tournaments too. They test. I I think that they've done some stuff for the IBJJF. Like I know that they're they're trying to get some of their bigger tournaments, but honestly. I'm out of that world for the most part these days. I don't give a shit. I do remember, though, that the way John Jones talked about USADA. Yeah. He talked about USADA like USADA's job was to exonerate him. Which, <laughs> you know, like, says a lot about how USADA is perceived. Like, Jones really is like, USADA really proved that I didn't do it. I'm like, what? Hell of a company. I just found it amusing that that guy had one match, won it. And then they decided he couldn't fight. It's a, it's like classic USADA sort of thing. It really is like maybe they're sitting there going, all right, look at that. He's been on the mat. We can get him now, guys. It's kind of like I think the cop has to wait for you to actually like break the law before they can arrest you. <laughs> Usually that's how it goes. UFC has a plan B for the UFC 231 main event. 
promotion. An- Which one is, is that? <laughs> I'll tell you. Joan? The promotion announced Wednesday that Hanato Moicano will be an alternate for either featherweight champ Max Holloway or challenger Brian Ortega ahead of their main event title fight scheduled for UFC 231 on December 8th in Toronto. Well, as long as we're guaranteed to have uh, you know, a real marketable star no matter what. <laughs> Moicano, who is 13-1-1, was originally scheduled to fight Mirsad Bektik, but was left without an opponent when Bektik recently withdrew from the card. I mean, nothing, nothing says uh, solid insurance policy of the general public like Hanato Moicano. You're sitting there with your ticket going, oh, look, if the main event falls through, it falls through. But I'm going to get to see an Otto Moicano fight. Do you think they should always have a backup? Or do you think yes. they're – Okay. Okay. Fair. Yes. Yes. There should just always be a backup. Okay. You should always have two fights that can main event your show. Even if the second one's not that good, something that's semi-tolerable, even if it's, you know, Sergei Eubanks in a title fight. And then you should uh, have somebody in the same weight class as your main eventer. Yeah. This, is, this should just – I mean, and I think they try and do that. But if they don't – isn't it so really stupid to say something like, this should just be company policy? It's 2018. If they haven't figured this shit out by now, they're never going to figure it out. Do you think it should be like another fight on the card or just have a replacement? Yeah, okay. another fight. Okay. I, I think ideally would – look, the ideal situation is just simple. You have the number one contenders fight for the title on the same card. That way you guarantee that people are going to come out of the fight going, hey, I want to see this guy fight that guy. We've seen all this happen. The guys are on the same schedule training-wise. It makes all the sense in the world. I agree. Except for they have too many shows. That's a problem, yes. Uh, Do you think this title fight will happen without a hitch? Obviously, Max Holloway had some concussion issues and – weight issues uh, on the last two shows he was supposed to fight. He couldn't make weight to fight uh, Khabib there, and then he couldn't fight Ortega because he got punched in the head too much. You think he'll be ready to go? Uh, is that why he wasn't allowed to fight Khabib? Yeah, remember that they stopped his weight cut? Remember he was coming in on like a week's notice? Yeah, and yeah, that's right. All yeah. that and shit. Then, yeah, like Pettis and yeah. Yeah, I assume there's probably just some concussion thing again or whatever. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Like, it's sad that this fight doesn't. I guess it's not even this weekend, is it? Never mind. No, we'll, we'll talk we about it next weeks. week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say he'll make. Is this in Toronto? Yes. How, how do I know it's in Toronto? But I don't know what fucking weekend it is. I mean, in fairness, I don't really know what month it is right now. Probably the drugs. Uh yeah. You asked. Not, not much of a private rhetorical question. Uh, I'm not into that. What are you into? Uh, I'm into the Oxford comma. That's my per, pejorative things. <laughs> Jones Jr. has challenged Michael B. Jordan to a boxing match. Sure. Michael B. Jordan spent uh, a lot of time training for the Creed movies. When asked by TMZ who he was willing to step into the ring with, he responded, Roy Jones, bro, claiming that he could hold his own against the now 49-year-old boxer. He also admitted that Jones would be able to beat him no problem in his prime, though. Oh, Hearing about what Jordan had to say, Jones is reportedly ready for a fight. Jones said, first thing is, you know, I've never ducked a fight in my life. I don't duck nothing. 
Uh, if Michael B. wants this real, contact Roy Jones Jr. and we will make it happen. I know he can't beat me still. I know he's probably in better condition because he's younger, but I'm an old school vet. Wait. You think that the actor would be in better condition than you, the professional athlete, the legendary Hall of Famer, who is one of the greatest who's ever done the sport? You think that the actor is going to be in better shape than you? That doesn't speak much for your confidence here, pal. Also, I don't feel like you should uh, be lowering yourself to this. Like, this really feels pathetic. Remember he was going to fight the fan on that UR pay-per-view? Yeah, where that was Sonnen and, uh, like, Sonnen and Bisping had a grappling match or something. We have a weird, we, this is what happens when you have a society where everybody thinks they're good at everything. Suddenly we have like people like, oh, I'm going to fight the professional boxer. Are you out of your fucking mind? He would murder Michael B. Jordan. I mean, he would murder real Michael Jordan also. But I bet there's, a... <laughs> All, I bet there's not a Michael Jordan on the planet that could beat up Roy Jones. I, in that's, a boxing match. that's probably a pretty good damn statement there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean, and I know that Roy Jones is 49. We just got through this. Think about how Chuck is destroyed at 48, and Jones right. has taken some bad beatings, no doubt. But, uh, again, the, Michael B. Jordan was the, was the human torch in a really bad Fantastic Four movie, okay? He's not going to beat up Michael, fucking Roy Jones Jr. In it. He's not going to beat Roy Jones Jr. in anything athletic. He's not going to beat him in basketball or football or even <laughs> hockey. Remember, Roy, Roy Jones is a really good athlete. Or at least I think he was. So uh, I hope it happens, though. As do I. In the UFC. Roy Jones last fought on uh, February 8th, 2018. He won a fight by unanimous decision, went 10 rounds in Florida. And he won the vacant WBU German version cruiserweight title. In Florida. Correct. This sounds like a like a... Like a WWF title switch. He won the Intercontinental title for America in Argentina. Yes. <laughs> he won the German cruiserweight title in Florida. I hope that the, I hope that the country of Germany knows that we are treating their WBU cruiserweight championship with the respect that it deserves, having been claimed in the Florida panhandle, I'm sure. Pensacola. I think that's a pen. Hey, I think that's where Roy Jones is from. Yeah, he's got a few. His most recent fights have been been there. I mean, yeah. when you're at the point in your career where you're fighting guys in the primary uh, criteria you're judging by, whether you should take the fight is, is it close to my house? He's still going to beat Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's, it's so dumb, but I also hope it happens. Uh, in other big boxing news, there is a fight this weekend. Maybe you've heard about it. Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. Do you think that like the guys who were <laughs> acting as the Jamaican bobsled team also thought they could win? Oh, I guess the Jamaican bobsled team didn't win a gold medal, did they? I think I may have invented the ending to that story. Anyways, uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, is that in Tyson Fury, you say? Yes, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Is this on pay-per-view or something? This is live on pay-per-view, yes. Uh, well, I will uh, hear about the results after the fact because it's a boxing match to start with. It's a heavyweight boxing match, and it's in England, I think. So, uh. No, this one's actually in Los Angeles, Staples Center. 
Oh, wait, Deontay Wilder's an American, isn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah, it makes sense, though. So. Uh, Tuscaloosa, that... Alabama. Good gosh, that is some... I don't think I should comment on a black guy from Tuscaloosa. I'm just going to pass this over. So, yeah. He is 40-0 and 0 with 39 knockouts, and he'll be taking on the Gypsy King, who is 27-0 with 19 knockouts. Uh, both guys are righties. Uh, it's just big heavyweight guys. Tyson Fury was kind of like a, a joke from what I, I gathered, you know, always talking trash, but never considered all that good. He went out there, fought the fight of his life, beat Klitschko when that was a thing. And then he's been on drugs for two years. The classic story of all heavyweight boxers. <laughs> Journeyman gets big win, turns to the bottle. It'll likely be the winner of this. will probably fight Anthony Joshua next and that'll be whoever wins that'll be like the next big heavyweight king I'm guessing um, it feels like that's been the build it's been these three guys the last few years since the Klitschko's have dropped off um, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out uh, I'm picking Tyson Fury in this fight FYI. Oh, I'm going to pick the American ooh that's uh, xenophobic Uh Gypsies are not to be trusted. Have you ever seen gypsies come into your neighborhood? If they do, watch out. They're going to start fucking painting your house and doing weird shit to you. Yeah, I have not been painted or touched by a gypsy, so I am not too concerned. Uh, there's a lot of shows this weekend. I bet you're excited. Uh-huh. Uh, there's two Bellators and two UFCs. There's two UFCs? Yep. It's your lucky weekend because we know you have a lot of free time on December 1st. Just because it's true doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. You could do something about it if you wanted to. I got too much pot to smoke. You could sell it. Nope. On Friday, November 30th, Bellator returns to its home of the Windstar World Casino and Resort in Thackerville, yes! Oklahoma. Oh, I was waiting for you to say Thackerville, and then you did. Uh, we've got Bellator 210, Injikalani versus Salter. John Salter? Correct. Anthony Injikalani? Chitty. Oh, well, then I'm not interested. <laughs> In the co-main, David Rickles takes on Guillerme Vasconcelos. Okay, I've been waiting to see what uh, Guillerme is going to do with his career. He's a top prospect. At featherweight, we've got Juan Archuleta versus Jeremy Spoon, and the opener has Spoon! Christina Williams versus Bruna Ellen at Women's Flyweight. Bruna. I'm sure I'll probably watch some of it. This show is on the Paramount Network. Honestly, I, I feel I feel a little bit of an obligation to watch it because it's in Thackerville. Like that's kind of, like if I see that Bellator is in Thackerville or Israel, I'm excited because I know something real is happening. It's weird. On the prelims, they've got some names. They got Chris Honeycutt, Daniel Weishel, Joe Schilling, Joe Warren, Noad Lahat, Gerald Harris. There's some names on the prelims, and it's not even on the main card. Kind of hey, weird. Well, Bellator's kind of weird. Oh, I, I hadn't noticed. It's a backwards company. They're trying a new style of booking where you put the good fights on the, the part that no one's going to see, <laughs> and then you charge them for the shit that they don't want to see. They figure they're not making money the way they've been doing it, so try something new. 
Then on Saturday night in Genoa, Italy, we've got Bellator 211. Uh, Sakara versus Kent Kapinen. Uh-huh, yeah. Ka- Kapinen is a... I, honest to goodness, I don't know if you were saying two names there or if that was just his last name. What's going on with that guy? I don't know. In the co-main, we have Hesti Gurgis versus Domingos. I may not be pronouncing Hezzy it right. Hesti Gurgis. Uh, was he from Albania or something? Hez, it's a heavyweight fight. Oh. Hesti Gurgis versus Domingos Barros. Domingos Barros? That sounds like the most racist name ever. What's his name? Domingo Sparrows. <laughs> Hesty's Hesty Gurgis comes from Eastern Europe somewhere. Does he got like a like... Netherlands? Netherlands. Oh. Oh, that's, that's... And his oh. ethnicity is Copt. C O P T. Okay, so he's Egyptian. Possibly. See, uh, yeah, oh, Coptic Christian. Yeah. The Copts. Yeah. Um, huh. huh. He's a, he's, a, he's a migrant. His division on Wikipedia is listed as super heavyweight. Does he, does he have a name with like a little fucking like weird squiggly thing on it and a Z? No. It sounds like he, the kind of name that's got a weird thing on no, it. No, I, I think the Dutch part took over his name. Still sounds weird. The Dutch, the Dutch use umlauts and shit. I feel like yeah, but people. this is H-E-S-D-Y Hesty. Gurgis, G-E-R-G-E-S. Oh, damn, that does sound kind of Dutch. <laughs> we also have Queefer. I'm sorry. No, we don't. <laughs> Kiefer Crosby versus Orlando D'Ambrosio. Uh, oh, come on. Alan Amadovsky versus Ibrahim Main. Think about like somebody listening to this show, especially like if you're a European. And this show is just <laughs> two ignorant Americans laughing at foreigners' names. That's all we're doing. We're just like, oh, they, oh, their names sound funny. Just uh, you call Kiefer Sutherland Kiefer Sutherland since middle school. It's like you see Kiefer, you gotta say Kiefer. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a normal thing to do. Lightweight. That's oh, one of those Trump. You've never called him Queefer. I don't. I actually don't think I have. You're missing out. Try it next time you see his name, or you're watching like, twenty-four. It's like a John Jones defense to your action. It'll get laughs every time. <laughs> Luca Vitali versus Pedro Carvalho opens the show, and there's also Bellator kickboxing eleven on after the MMA card. If this wasn't enough for you. It's not. Yeah. We've got a featherweight main event of Gabriel Varga versus Shan Kangalosi. Ooh, Shan Kangalosi. I will never get tired of doing the joke. I'm going to go pretend excited for some fucking weirdo that no one cares about. And that is your Bellator previews for the weekend. As I mentioned earlier, there are also two UFC shows. The first one is on Friday night from the Pearl Theater at Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas. This is the Ultimate Fighter 28 finale that everyone's been waiting for with bated breath. I have. In the main event, we have Rafael Dos Anjos versus Camaro Usman, which is a very good welterweight fight. It's a great fight, but it feels like it's 
this fight should have took place in Miami. And I don't know exactly why, but it feels like it should be in Miami. Like in a backyard, like in Kimbo's yard? No, not like no. that, you racist. In the, the <laughs> Miami's... When I think Miami MMA, I think Kimbo. Well, that's racist. Okay. I don't know sure Dude, I don't know why anything's racist anymore. I just hear it a lot and I just go with it, all right? White sure. guy's reference to black guy is fucking racist somehow. Okay. So anyways, just I like pretend they don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. Great. Uh, so, I think the heavyweight, it's men's heavyweight is what the tournament is. Yeah. By the way, that is a really good main event. I agree. I I remember when they made that main event specifically saying, wow, I really like that fight. Like, this is like legitimate title eliminator type of fight where you, like, as a fight fan, these are the kind of fights where every time there's too many shows, you go, eh, but we're getting something like this. Yeah. RDA is coming off the Covington loss. And Usman is on a bit of a win streak, I believe. Um, he has won his last 12 and is 8-0 and in the UFC, coming off a Damian Maya win. I have no recollection of that fight at all. It was a unanimous decision. It went five I, rounds. I, Kamar Usman fought Damian Maya for – actually, I think I kind of remember falling asleep during this. It was in Santiago, Chile. This sounds like something that you would – Look, it sounds like something you would fall asleep watching. So I'm going to go with that. I probably fell asleep watching it. Uh, so, yeah, Justin Frazier versus Juan Francisco Diepa for the heavyweight hey, tournament spoilers. final. I've watched um, the show. No, oh, no. sorry. Well, I, Wait, is it on? The, the women's featherweight is to be determined according to Wikipedia. Oh. I don't know who Penny Kanzad's opponent is going to be. Penny Kanzad. I actually know her at least. Oh wait! I turned on Fox Sports One to see, see uh, you know who would win here on the Ultimate Fighter. It's happening right now. Mm. Instead, it's uh, five and a half minutes left in a Creighton versus Montana basketball game. Creighton, <laughs> Creighton is winning ninety to sixty six. Huh? Yeah, coming I up. If they'll next... be able to close the deal. <sighs> I switched to North Carolina basketball. Anyways. Uh, we've also got Pedro Munoz versus Brian Caraway. Did we have like a Pedro Munoz fighting on a Bellator show also? Probably. Um, let's see what Caraway does. Darren Stewart versus Edmund Shabazian and Ji Yaun Kim versus Antonino Shevchenko, probably the sister of Valentina. Oh, yeah, that's right. She has a sister. We have a few other TBDs versus TBDs on the prelims. Joseph Benavidez returns on the prelim card versus Alex Perez. Is that like the theme this weekend? Really good fighters on prelims? Could be. Rick or Glenn's on the prelims. Name fighters. Uh, uh, fight pass doesn't look too great. Terrell Horcher, Tim Means. Hey, at least I've uh, heard of those guys. Yeah, that's why I mentioned them. <laughs> well Saturday... We have UFC Fight Night Dos Santos versus Tuavasa. This is UFC Fight Night number 142. If you want to put that down on the chalkboard over there. It's already there. Already there. Good. Uh, This one's at the Adelaide Entertainment Center. Um, 
Dos Santos versus Tai Tuivasa. Tuivasa is the guy who drinks beers out of his shoe. That's how he became famous. He is from Australia. This is obviously the biggest fight of his career. He's coming off a win against Andre Arlovsky. Unanimous decision well, at that's UFC a, 225. That's, that's not something you hear every day. What's that? A man coming off a win for, over Andre Arlovsky. Not everybody beats him. Not everyone. No. I mean, most of them. <laughs> and uh, JDS is back. Uh, he last fought Borgoy Ivanov. That was the guy who got stabbed a few weeks before the fight. He won a unanimous decision, five rounds in Boise. Uh, so JDS trying to uh, put a little streak together here. I don't know if this is the young eating the old or what exactly this is or what it's supposed to be, but it is our main event on bet, Saturday night. I bet Adelaide is like the Boise of Australia. No, Adelaide's probably like their Chicago. I think that's Sydney or Melbourne. That would be New York and LA. Give me Fuck one more. Off. You're there, being a uh, you're Perth. being a dick. Perth, Perth, Perth. Perth? That's, that's like the other coast. That's like that not? might be Boise. I know Most what. populous cities in Australia. Do you look at your hands when you type? No. You're such a badass. I learned that. Uh, I learned that school in high school. Yeah, but I always cheated. Uh, Sydney is number one, five million people. Melbourne okay. two, four point eight. Brisbane. Oh yeah, that's a city. Is three. Perth is four. Adelaide right. is fifth. How many are people live in Adelaide? Adelaide, 1.3 million. Holy shit. So it's there, Houston. Houston, I would say, would be fair. Houston's a big, yeah, fine. It's going okay. to Houston. I wonder, I wonder, I, we're going to figure this out. I'm going to see what number Boise is, and then we'll see what number matches well, I know, with I, Australia. I, I, I know the Boise doesn't have 1 million people living in it, so. Hmm. I haven't had a search for that. I'll find it's, out for next week. Sure. In the co-main, we have Mark Hunt versus Justin Willis. Who? Mark Hunt. <laughs> I feel like Justin Willis is a short, stout, fat guy who moves very athletically. That's body shaming. I bet, it's, I bet that's right, though. He's 6'1", 265 pounds. He sounds fit. Yeah. That's a healthy weight for that height. His nickname is Big Pretty. I bet he's not one of those. He's 7-1 and one, coming off a win over Chase Sherman, and he is undefeated in the UFC at 3-0. and oh. So he lost to somebody that wasn't good enough to be in the UFC. That's good to know. <laughs> Uh, this is Mark Hunt's final fight on his contract. Like we mentioned earlier, he could possibly be uh, jumping ship and heading to another organization based on his hatred of the UFC and his ongoing lawsuit over um, what did they call that? Not embezzling, uh, whatever they did with uh, racketeering. That's the word uh, with uh you know, Brock Lesnar and the UFC there. They were in cahoots, according to Mark Hunt and his attorneys. Really, it's not the most far-fetched theory I've ever heard. <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, we also have Tyson Pedro versus Shogun Hua. Oh, okay. Jake Matthews versus Tony Martin. Jake Matthews has a good-looking body. 
Totally. <laughs> Paul Craig versus Jim Crute. Uh, one fight I'm really looking forward to is a featherweight battle between Suman Mokhtarian and Sojuk Yusuf. I bet one of those is a Muslim. <laughs> Yushin Okami at also, welterweight. N- another known white. Hold on. I want to make a another known Muslim joke, but I got so caught off guard by Yushin Okami at 170. Yeah. Remember he made his UFC debut not too long ago at 205? It was his, is that his day? I mean, I know he just came back. His return. Yeah, when he got choked out by the Von in fucking Japan and ignominia. I guess if I lost it, if I got tapped up by that loser with a fucking horseshoe brand on his arm, I'd move down three weight classes also. <laughs> Lots of guys are like, hey, now that I've made it to this, now that I'm back in the company, I'm going to go back to my natural weight class, you know. 40 pounds later, 30 pounds later. That was in September of 17. He returned in April of 18 to beat Diego Lima at welterweight. So um, he's still hanging around the UFC after all these years, old Yushin Okami. I bet, I was going to say, I bet he's a clean, like, liver and all that stuff, but I could see him being a drinker. Like he has a clean liver or well, he lives like a clean he, life? He lives a clean life. That's why he fights still, but... The Japanese like to drink, you know. The Japanese are a big drinking people. They like their sake. So he could be an alcoholic. Blacking out six days a week and still getting licensed in the state of California. I'm confused when and where this show actually takes. I know it takes place in Australia on December 1st, but Wikipedia here doesn't list the uh, channel. Is that their December 1st or our December 1st? This might be a fight, Pat. I don't know what's going on. No, I feel like it's FS1. It's 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 FS1 because I got it recorded. Okay, cool. Um, The problem is that I don't know. Okay, it's airing on Saturday night, but that doesn't mean that's when it's happening. Because Saturday night, it says uh, live. So it's live on the first for us. That'd be the second for them. So I'm guessing it's like a 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. show for them on Sunday so it's, it's normal time Saturday night on Fox Sports. UFC changed their website. Did they? And yeah, it looks more like modern, like how it should look. But um, I don't like it because I, I got to relearn how to work it. You know, I, I like when they do all those little touches to kind of like make them look like a professional company. And then they still start off every show with bring the pain. Face the pain. Face yeah. the pain, whatever. Yeah. That song was never good. No, like when it came out, it was just like, oh, wow. Like you guys are, it was outdated when it came out. Right. Um, Saturday, it's like when uh, Tito comes out to Limp Biscuit on that. Oh, my uh, gosh. He came out from the fucking Golden Boys show. He came out to 1995. It it was just pathetic. It was, it it was embarrassed. Like you came out to Limp Biscuit. Are you a fucking mind? Like that's when you come out if you're like, kind of like making a joke like Tom Lawler would come out to Limp Biscuit. That's a joke. Yes. Uh yeah, this isn't helpful. The UFC website says Dos Santos first two of us Saturday December 1st 10 p.m. Eastern. And you can buy tickets here. I'm not sure why on the US based website they got to know where I am. Where they have an offer to buy tickets. Um maybe you're a dedicated fan and really want to catch a flight. If you left now you could 
maybe make the, make it to the show. I wonder if there's anybody like, um, you know, like Fish and those shitty jam bands that people would tour with and follow around the country. Somebody should do that for UFC. It was called Tap Out Crew. <laughs> Look at how they turned out. Hey, one of them's still on the phone. They put masks on that stupid octagon. Boy, but they regret that one now. Like, here you are, your endeavor or whatever. You gotta look at it and be like, I'm sorry, Mask? His name is Mask? Mask? What is this? I guess, I mean, I guess you can never take it off, right? I don't think so, man. Look, if we still have fucking statues to slave owning, slave defending generals hanging around, you're not gonna get rid of a guy who sold t shirts, you know. Uh, we have more news and stuff. Uh, a follow-up on the Sentinel Island story from last week that I think we both oh, yeah. enjoyed. Uh, this guy, John Chow, is his name. Um, I, I guess they sent some uh, people out to get his body, and they were unable to retrieve it. And authorities in India have decided to hold off on retrieving the body um, amid concerns about a possible confrontation with the tribe that lives there. Apparently, they're beginning to learn their lesson. I like that like, they, they still tried to go back to the island until somebody stopped them, which means that there's at least one person who's got like, a frisbee stuck on the roof and seen what happens if you try to get it off. Uh, direct police of the Andaman and Nicobar Islands, Dependra Pathic, told CNN, we want to avoid direct confrontation with the tribes people. We wa- do not want to go there and create an unhappy situation. I mean, are they afraid that they're going to lose the fight? Like, if you're prepared, you should be able to beat them. They got bow and arrows. You have, right. you have, you know, flashing lights and, like, pictures. You can steal their soul or whatever. You know what? It's almost like it's almost like we're dealing with, like, an endangered species here. And you don't want to fuck with them because there's only, like, 40 of them left on this island. Like the, so it's like, like the, the, no, that's literally what it is. Yeah, like they're protected people. You're no, you're not allowed to go near. Say like the pygmies in uh, Africa, and like I, I understand where the urge is coming from, but there's also some part of me is just like at some point you're like, if if you if your friend was living like this, you would go and try to stop it. Like, is it really, is it really the the good humane thing to like just let people keep living in their ignorant world like this, where I'm sure they're just full of disease and women are raped and children die and all that. Just grab them off the island, force them to become, you know, I, I realize that everything I'm saying as I'm saying it out loud sounds like manifest destiny, but <laughs> yeah, maybe it works. I, don't know. I just want to civilize the, the uncultured savage, basically. Good gosh, I did not learn the right lesson from all those books I read. Uh, apparently they're still working on a plan and they're going to firm it up very soon, Pathak says. What, um, how much of a plan could there be? I mean, just go at night or something. It says at least 15 Sentinelese could be living on the island. Wow, a whole 15. <clears throat> I mean, that's barely a football team. You couldn't even play I two-way mean, football. That's about the population of Thackerville. Well, when you put it like that, it's kind of impressive. I wouldn't want to fuck with Thackerville. Uh, apparently, Chow also tried to get a missionary visa to go there Not and was bad. denied. I'm so- Who issues the visas? There's only 15 people on the fucking island. 
I didn't know there was such a thing as a missionary visa. That's a thing? Apparently not. I also like the fact that he went back to the island several times after getting shot at and kept going back. Hey, man, when the Lord calls, the Lord calls, all right? Hey, look, the Bible's filled with people. Like, God told them, go and save these people, and then they went and they survived fire or whatever. So if you spent your whole life reading that, and, you got, and then God says, go to this island and save their souls, you're going to let a fucking few arrows stop you? Like, God's talking to you. God is talking to you in your sleep. The couple of bows and arrows ain't going to scare you off. He carefully planned his expedition and used no, a 13 page long journal to write his strategy, the steps he would take to reach the island, and later some of his memories. After he paid fishermen around $350 to take him close to the islands, the group boarded a wooded boat fitted with motors and headed to the island on the night of the 15th. It took him 13 they, pages to write. I'm going to pay guys 300 bucks to take me on a boat. I got to get these memoirs. They stopped a little less than half a mile and waited in the dark. At some point in the morning, Chow used a canoe to reach the shore of the island. He returned later that day with arrow injuries, police said, but that did not discourage him. He returned to the <laughs> island the following day. What is he, Ace Ventura getting shot in the legs with a bow and arrow? He returned to the island the following day. It's unclear what happened, but the tribe's people broke his canoe, and he had no other option than to swim back to the boat. On the third attempt of his mission, he didn't come back at all. The fishermen said they later saw the tribe's people dragging his body around, but police haven't been able to independently verify Chow's death. Authorities believe he was killed. All seven locals who facilitated the trip have been arrested. Do you know how fucking hilarious it will be? In fact, it would be a miracle. I guess that's how these things work. What if they somehow find out that he's on the island and he's converting them? <laughs> like, <laughs> what if it fucking works? <laughs> that'd, be a pretty, that that'd, be a, that'd be a pretty big twist. Be like, oh, look at that. And he'd be like, see, I told you I could do it. I had 13 fucking pages. I knew what I was doing, guys. I had notes. I thought this through. In other uh, murder news, we'll stay with that theme. Uh, also, have you heard? Also, yes. Big ups to the tribe here. Like these guys are clearly not assholes. They gave this guy ample warning. True, like, they, true. I agree. Like dogs don't even. Get, they the dog maybe growls a little bit. Like these people are like, "Hey, we broke your boat," and you keep coming back. They must have been like, "Fucking death wish, white guy. He's a ghost." <laughs> yeah, they sent off some warning shots. You would think the broken bow and the arrow wounds would have been enough. Nevertheless, he persisted. I kind of want somebody to like, I want to see this place. Not that I'm going to go there personally, but like I want somebody to fly a drone over and, and see what this shit looks like. Like I look for it on like Google Maps because I, I, I got <laughs> into this story. Like I, I, I went down a rabbit hole with this and like where it is, it's really like isolated. In, you, well, there's other islands nearby that I think are relatively modern, I guess would be the way to describe it. But this one island, they just left them I just alone. There's and... people sitting on an island and like nearby, they can hear people partying. And like there's lights and noise. And they're like, oh man, like it's uh, some sort of like Budweiser commercial. And then the, the people in the next island are going to come by and women in bikinis are going to s- civilize these people. Or it's like a, a little kid when when they're punished and they can see the kids still yeah. playing outside and they had to go to bed when it's still light out, just looking out the window, all the kids in the neighborhood. I yeah. Those. 
so this is from a paper called the New York Times. Oh, I've heard of that. Nearly, nearly every day for weeks, a white-haired man in a wheelchair, his body ravaged by diabetes and heart disease, has been escorted under heavy guard from a Texas jail cell to an interview room to speak about evil. Day by day, the authorities say he has recounted details of long-ago murders, faces, play, places, the layouts of small towns. He has described how he picked up vulnerable women from bars, nightclubs, and along streets and strangled them to death in the backseat of his car. Oh. The man, Samuel Little, 78, has confessed to more than 90 murders, investigators say, stretching back almost half a century. Mr. Little already is serving three life sentences for the murders of three Los Angeles women during the 80s, but the authorities suspect him of killing women in at least 14 states. Investigators say they have established Mr. Little's ties to about 30 of the murders so far and have little reason to doubt his confessions. There's always one asshole that tries to one-up you with every story. You know, just, you're sitting around, how many have you killed? Uh, Two, what about you, three, you, 90? How how freaked out was like the first person when he starts talking? Like, hey, guard, I got something to confess, and you're going to want to sit down for this one. By the time we are done, we anticipate that Samuel Little will be confirmed as one of the most prolific serial killers in U.S. history, says Bobby Bland, the DA for Ector County, Texas, where Mr. Little is being held after a grand jury indicted him this summer for a 1994 killing. I bet this guy's like, if you met him, you'd be like, what a moron, which shows how incompetent our uh, authorities are. If somebody wants to kill you, man, you're dead. Gary Ridgway, the Green River killer, was convicted of 49 murders in Washington State during the 80s and 90s, the highest number of murder convictions for an American serial killer. So this guy's almost doubled. Yeah, and these people compete for this shit. They're aware of it. They track one another. They want to beat each other's records. It's like a little club. It's like Mighty Mouse and Anderson Silva. And John Jones. Uh, More self-aware than Jones, though. How a serial murderer could go on killing for years, apparently, without anyone noticing patterns seems perplexing. But even the most effective police departments solve only about three-quarters of homicides, meaning that thousands of people get away with murder each year. Also, the killings Mr. Little is said to have admitted to occurred... That's you know, very reassuring. Okay. The killings Mr. Little is said to have admitted to occurred in a wide range of counties and states. Many of the women whom Mr. Little is believed to have killed were poor and addicted to drugs, alcohol, or both. A huh. group of people that often are not reported missing for weeks and sometimes receive fewer investigative resources than others. So he basically confirmed an idea I had, which is a weird idea, which is like, if you wanted to, you could just kill people and never get caught as long as you just basically killed prostitutes. And after you got like four or five in a town, just moved to next town because nobody would ever know them, that they're gone. So as long as you didn't want the glory right away or like leaving little clues or whatever, if you just you know needed that sexual thrill that you get, you could totally do it for a long time. Apparently. It was DNA evidence collected over years in the criminal justice system that first connected Mr. Little to several women who had been killed. Then this year, a Texas ranger named James Holland visited Mr. Little in an L.A. County prison and succeeded in winning his confidence. The stories began to tumble out, setting off a transfer to Texas and a frenzy of visits from investigators with cold cases from all over the nation. So he betrayed his confidence. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I don't know. I mean, if 
actually. Oh, good story, bro. But by the way, what? Legit, I couldn't betray the confidence. But yeah, if I, I I'd want to. If yeah. you were in law enforcement, I'm in law enforcement. If you were an investigator trying to solve a murder case huh? and the murderer told you he did it. I guess it would be kind of weird to not tell anyone that. Yeah, it's kind of your job. You'd probably be like the worst detective ever. Hey, I solved the crime. Who did it? I'm not telling you. What I, the- I, as long as I solved it, that's all that matters. I've outsmarted the killer. The rest of you have some catching up to do, don't you? <laughs> so it'll it'll be interesting to see where his uh, final numbers like the, end up. I like the idea of like an amoral Sherlock Holmes who goes around solving crimes but not stopping crime. All he cared about was solving it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, did you watch any of Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson? Uh, no. Phil won. They had that uh, one-on-one, uh, would you call it a championship fight? No. I, I have it no was... idea how you play golf one-on-one against somebody. I think it's whoever wins uh, the most holes. Right. Um, so, you know, if... But that's not where golf is played, right? But match play is different. Like, like in oh, high yeah. school, it's like, yeah, you're playing one other person. Like, if you win, if you're playing 18 holes and you win the first nine holes, it's over because the other person can't catch up. You'd win like plus nine or something. Would you have to win the first ten? I don't know how math and golf works, uh, but Mickelson Fair. won in this case. He uh, won nine million dollars in this exhibition in Las Vegas. He needs it, man. It went an extra four holes, I guess, because... Because uh, Tiger's back after... on the prowl, man. He likes to get as many holes as he can. <laughs> uh, obviously, Mickelson was always in Wood's shadow. Woods had 14 major wins, and Mickelson had five. Um, so... One of them was black. The other, guy's a, the other one's a fat white guy who's most known for being left-handed. So Mickelson got his big win, much like Tito Ortiz. Finally got redemption. <laughs> at, at least so the Tiger just won something, so it's a little more uh, impressive here. Nine million dollars. That's real money. You know, like for something that was 20 bucks on pay-per-view. And I don't know, man. Does he need the money? Like it feels so cheap to see athletes doing something for money. Like I know it sounds really stupid to say when I say it out loud like that. But every time you watch any athlete do something, for the most part, you're watching them try to be the best. At, you know, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, win the the title, or I'm gonna win the championship, or whatever. It's like, why, why are you guys playing each other? I want to win some money from him. And they're not even betting. If they were betting on it, that would be something. That, well, Mickelson and Woods did make some side bets oh. throughout. Well, maybe I should watch it instead of commentating on it. <laughs> Uh, Mickelson made $600,000 for winning three closest to the pin side bets and lost 200000 for failing to make a birdie at the opening hole. Wait, where, where, did um, they, where did they golf? Uh, Vegas. Okay, okay. I think my first time, I'm like, this doesn't sound legal at all. Also, that's a <laughs> lot of money to golf b- wager. Yeah, we're, we're talking the state where a dead pimp won an election. Um, 
and uh, there was some drama with the actual pay-per-view portion of the event. It was priced at nineteen ninety-nine, but promoters decided to offer it free online at some point during play because of what they described as technical issues that impacted user access. It is not yet known if viewers who paid for the event would be credited. So uh, they might be owing some people some money here when this is all said. They may not get their money back. Maybe they'll just get a credit towards the next pay-per-view extravaganza that the golf people put on. I wonder what had more buys, this or the Tito and Chuck. That is a good one. I don't know. This, I bet this did. Just because it's like golf people are weird and there's a lot of them. Like there's an entire channel devoted to watching old men walk around and hit something with a stick. Have you ever golfed? Yeah. It's it's actually difficult. Yeah, it's difficult and um, I just can't do it. I want to run and do it. Like I, I like to run and play golf. <laughs> How do you feel about mini golf? Uh, I, I've played it a lot in my life. I have, uh, I'm not like opposed to it morally or anything. It doesn't offend me. Good. Uh, Irish soccer team, sorry for falsely reporting players' death. Dave Meltzer? (laughs) Dave Meltzer reports people's deaths wrong all the time. Well, that's an easy one to make a mistake. It's, it's, I always like when people misreport a death because it's like the one of the few things that you just, you're either dead or you're not. How many times has he done that? Um, more than once. Like, I remember specific, like, it's, it's happened enough now that, like, I kind of laughed at myself. I'm like, what if this person is really dead? He's like, oh, nope, not yet. The one, the one fuck up he had that I liked the most, and granted, when you write 40,000 words every week, there's going to be some fuck ups. But, uh, was something about Mike Goldberg and that he he was not on drugs, but he didn't put in the not. Oh, yeah. Mike Goldberg was on drugs. Then he had to write an apology to Mike Goldberg. That was my favorite. Yeah. No. <sighs> because honestly, Mike Goldberg probably was on drugs. I don't know why he wouldn't um, be. His broadcast partner is. Uh, a death notice for a soccer player was posted in a local newspaper. A game was postponed. Teams across the league held a minute's silence. Oh, shit. Okay, they really misreported his death. Jeez. Soccer clubs in the Leinster Senior League in Ireland united over the weekend to honor the memory of a player who was thought to have been killed in a traffic accident last week. Turns out it was all one big mistake. Amateur team Ballybrack FC has apologized for a gross error of judgment after falsely, falsely reporting that one of its players died on Thursday. Uh, Fernando Nuno Lafuente is in fact still alive. The team said Fernando Nuno Lafuente, playing in yes. the amateur Irish league, is still alive. Yes. By the way, you know that's really that's what separates the amateurs from the pros. Getting the death their names, getting the death notices right. This grave and unacceptable mistake was completely out of grave character. mistake. Made... Really, does it have to be a grave mistake, guys? A little insensitive. <laughs> It was made by a person who has been experiencing severe personal difficulties unbeknownst to any other members of the club. Wait, wait. Some dude, some, some like employee is basically like going through shit and just made up a death notice for the guy. Like Janet in the county. It's just she's going through a divorce. All right. She's taking it hard. She was lashing out. 
And she just said that the guy was dead. The club said the person in question was fired after an emergency meeting. The league offered its sincerest apologies for any distress caused as a result of notifying clubs as to the demise of a valued player. Imagine that emergency. That- imagine that text message. Guys, we need to get together and have a meeting. Why? Uh, somebody reported one of our guys dead. Why? Uh, uh, they just did. They didn't have a reason for it. As if there would be a good excuse for reporting somebody dead on accident. Belly Bracket team based in Dublin postponed its game against Arklo Town on Saturday while other teams in the league held a minute's silence uh, in honor of La Fuente. David Moran, chairman of the league, said the story began to be exposed after inquiries were made regarding offering support to La Fuente's family. We were told he was flown back to Spain on Saturday. Straight away, that <laughs> rang alarm bells for us. We checked the hospitals. We checked everywhere. Nobody could find anything about Wait, this so young why fellow. Would, why would you check the hospitals? They said he flew back on Saturday. He flew and he's gone. I think it was too quick or something yeah. was the concern. Um, Moran said some of La Fuente's friends said he had gone to Spain four weeks ago. The club has contacted Fernando to confirm his whereabouts and well-being. is thankful for his acceptance of our apology on this matter. I mean, it doesn't sound like they're the tightest knit, you know, club in the world when the guy's been <laughs> missing for a month. They're like, ah, maybe he's there. We're not, look, we're not really sure. And so when you're not really sure, what we do is we just, we assume, but that's how the Irish are. They're pessimistic people. They hadn't seen him in a couple of weeks. They assumed he was dead. And how are you doing? By the way, the real tragedy in all this is that uh, his next door neighbor actually killed him the next day because he thought, well, if he's, already dead you can't kill a dead man so this doesn't count now that guy's going to jail real tragedy horrible i always like to bring up uh sex legal oh yeah what sex and violence yeah i always like to bring those up um you know you're gonna watch something good when it's got the s and the v oh yeah um put the s and the v oh yeah what I don't know. Anyway, an Ohio man charged with killing a woman during a white nationalist rally in Virginia plans to argue that he believed he was acting in self-defense when he drove his car into a crowd of counter-protesters. Those people, their fleshy bodies were a threat to the metal car. A lawyer for James Alex Fields Jr. offered a glimpse of the defense strategy as jury selection began Monday in Charlottesville, 15 months, months after this quiet Virginia city became a flashpoint for race relations in the U.S. The Unite the Right rally on August 12th drew hundreds of white nationalists to Charlottesville, where officials planned to remove a statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. Hundreds more showed up to protest against the white nationalists. As we know, there was a rally, and uh, 32-year-old Heather Heyer was killed when a car, authorities say, was driven by fields plowed into a crowd of counter-protesters. you got to come up with something as a defense. It's not it, – honestly, like, it sounds stupid because of the reasons why it sounds stupid. But got to try something, man. And she, you know, you're in a car, you're surrounded by a mob of people, and they're all angry, and they're all chanting, they hate you, they're banging on your car, and you're scared you're going to die, and you just hit the thing, you panic, you hit the thing, you're not trying to kill them, but you're just trying to get away. You're trying to save your life and not get killed by this 
out of control mob. And those people remember those protesters didn't have a right to be there. They didn't have a permit or blah, blah, blah. And uh, you're hoping that you have enough there to convince. Look, it's the South. You think they're going to convince a guy for killing a, a hippie? Come on. It's going to be bad if he gets off for this. Uh, yeah. I think I'm wondering. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out, like, I don't even know what he's been charged with. I don't know if it's murder or, or what he was charged with, but. Uh, Let me look. Like, it, it, get, it, it, I have no idea. It, it's just one of those things where it's. Legal cases are always, there's always two big things legal cases, as opposed to non legal cases. But one, the stuff is very, very fact specific. And the facts and the details can be really nuanced, and that matters. And as I tend to always say when it comes to this stuff, if you're not in the jury room, if you're not really there every day, it's everything's different. Everything is different when it's for real. It's not on the news. It's not some talking head. When you go to jail, people act differently, except for me. Nearly all of the 68 prospective jurors in the first group to be questioned said they had heard or read about the case. About 20 people said they had formed an opinion on it, but also indicated they could put that aside and decide the case based solely on the evidence presented in court. Okay, let's go for it, guys. (laughs) I don't even care. Cases like that, though, like how do you get a, a jury... Like, if you haven't heard about it, like, what the fuck? It's Uh, in your town, and there was, like, a riot in your town. How do you not hear about it? Generally, what you do is just move it to a new location. Right, but I I think it's in Charlottesville, but I might be confused. Right, but, I mean, you would just move it to another county. The the trial trial gets moved to another county. It's such a high-profile thing. Look, let's face it. A lot of people are incredibly ignorant of what's happening in the world. Like you see those polls come out all the time. And like, I bet if I, I bet 50% of the American people do not know who the vice president is. Absolutely. So if you're asking if you can find some people that never heard about some, although this was a pretty big one, but eh, whatever, justice will be done. Or it won't. A video released by U.S. Force a moment when a ginger reveal party in Arizona went horribly wrong, sparking a wildfire. I thought you said ginger reveal. Like, that's a weird party. And we've got one! Even gender reveal parties are weird. What the fuck? Um, Yeah, we didn't find out what their sex was. Gender? I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to say anymore. I don't know. What their genitals look like. Yeah, I, either way, you've got to uh, take care of the kid and raise it all your life. It doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. That sounds awful. Yeah, but like people are get so worked up about that shit, and I, I never understood it. And that's well, I mean, so. you, you, obviously, you want a boy because girls suck. So, but why would you want to know that the whole time they're pregnant? Oh, so mm. you don't have the abortion. <laughs> Anyway, a video released by the U.S. Forest Service shows the moment when a gender reveal party in Arizona went horribly wrong, sparking a wildfire that burned nearly 47,000 acres and caused more than $8 million in damage. Shot on April 23rd, the clip shows a makeshift target with the words boy and girl written on it placed in the middle of the desert near Green Valley, Arizona. Seconds later, we hear a gunshot and the target explodes, revealing a blue cloud 
and immediately igniting the surrounding <laughs> brush. Someone <laughs> shouts, start packing up. So, I, the first is like, oh, we got to get out of here. You should see this video. I've seen I'm it. Gonna, have you? Yeah. And like, you look at it, it's like dry grass and hay and it looks like it hasn't rained in years and it's like in arizona it's like why would you think lighting a fire there would be a good idea there's literally like this tall brown like dried out grass everywhere it's wasn't like the who is the people that did like the it's a it's an official government officials of some sort i couldn't remember if it's forest preserve or this is these are the type of people who I mean, make you. Who, who did it though? Whose gender reveal party is it? Don't they what say do uh, the the who who blew up? Who started the fire? Uh, I don't have the guy's oh, name I, here. I, I thought that they said it was like a forest preserve person or like somebody oh, we should know uh, better. He's an off-duty U.S. Border Patrol. Okay, agent. okay, maybe okay, maybe they don't know how fires work, but they should. Yeah, I, I feel like a Border Patrol agent should know how fire works. He's been ordered to pay $8.1 million in restitution. Well, that's going to just take it out of the paycheck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, net to taxes, I guess. I mean, when you li- you'll have to move to Florida to avoid having to pay any of it. That's what OJ did. It's good enough for OJ. It's good enough for the guy that burned half of Arizona. I mean, how do you- this, is, this is one of those cases where... You question the Second Amendment a little bit. This guy should not be allowed a gun. Can't oh. be shooting guns at explosives in a desert. I'm not going to lie for a split second there. I'm sitting there. My brain's like, so does the Second Amendment have anything to do with fire? What? Fuck me. He shot a gun at explosives in a desert. Oh, yeah. The, 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 let's be real clear here. If this guy didn't have access to a gun, he'd have found some way to set something on fire. <laughs> like, this guy was not going to be deterred. And why is this like some happy thing when you're finding out you're having a boy? It's so bizarre. It's just a way for people to get attention. These people suck. You see what it is? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the next, it's just like everybody says, stuff escalates. It starts out with, ah, we cut into the cake and the cake was uh, devil's food inside. And then we have a, uh, what would the red be? A girl or, or whatever it be. And then, you know, fast forward and you're setting half of Arizona on fire because you have a girl. In our final explosive story of the week, 30-year-old Arthur Posey walked into a Willie's Chicken Shack in New Orleans at about 7 p.m. on Tuesday night. According to Posey, he commented to a female manager that he was going to blow the bathroom up. And again, according to him, what he meant was that he was going to take a massive dump. There's no way that this exact same scenario has not played out in a Popeye's chicken with Eric Lewis. According to the manager, Posey strolled into the restaurant, walked toward the food prep area and asked how late the restaurant stayed open. She told him she didn't know. And he told her, y'all about to close right now because I'm going to get a bomb and blow this place up. (laughs) She reported the incident to the Chicken Shack's general manager who advised her to call the police. Posey had left the restaurant by the time the officers arrived, but they spotted him walking into a different business on the next block. He told the cops that he didn't have a bomb and he just meant that he was going about to blow the bathroom up with a swift, unyielding bowel movement. I feel like this is one of those... I know the cops have to investigate these things, but I bet the moment they looked at the guy, they went, oh, yeah, he's totally telling the truth. 
The police didn't buy it, especially not after the manager said that Posey never mentioned a bathroom to her. A second employee told officers that she heard him say that he was going to get a bomb and put it under the middle table of the restaurant closest to the front door, which sounds both weirdly specific and strangely not at all like what the manager reported. Well, no, you know, like people like use euphemisms for like, I'm going to drop the kids off the pool. Some people mm-hmm. say, I'm going to drop a bomb off in the middle of the table in, this, in front of the door. <laughs> Posey was taken into custody and is facing two counts of communicating a false information of planned arson, which has to be a, Boy, that's, a weird charge. That's a real specific one. Like, there's some, you know, the guy that wrote that law and went, finally, I fucking knew that somebody would do it, and now it's illegal, and I'm the reason that guy goes to jail. I feel like that's like a KKK thing burning oh, down yeah. churches and stuff in New Orleans back in the day. And, you know, well, just like the KKK, it's, it's shit. No word on if uh, Posey ever did find a place to uh, take a dump. I hope he did. By now, yeah. He, he'd be in some pain. I mean, that'd be a whole different story. You probably would have heard about that on the news. You probably would blow yeah. it up with the... I'm going to drop a... I'm going to blow this bathroom up. On that note, that's all I have for MMA and stuff this week. Is there anything we missed? Nope. Okay, well, thank you for listening to MMA and stuff here on halfguarded.com. You can also catch this program on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Please uh, follow us on Twitter, Half Guarded, Instagram, Half Guarded. There's a Facebook. Uh, check it out. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye bye. Get up, cocksuckers. It's all over. Listen, we had a rough couple of months. Fucking Katrina's cousin Maria, the other one, Puerto Rico, Houston, fucking Florida. Listen, it's been tough up to now. The earthquake in Mexico, you know, the White House, whoever the fuck is going on, but it don't matter. They want to shoot, it's time for us to fucking shoot, cocksuckers. They want to get down and dirty, don't forget who the fuck we are, you understand me? We're the baddest motherfuckers out there. You send a message to that fucking North Korean, he's going to be sniffing my dick and sucking my asshole. That's the focus. We're going to North Korea in like a year. It's going to be an island. It's going to glow in the dark. You know why? Because we're Americans, cocksuckers. Who the fuck do you think you're dealing with? Stop with the gun control. They're selling more guns than ever the last three days. <laughs> Stop with the fucking whining. Stop with the Russians on Facebook. I don't give a fuck. Worry about yourself. Keep your eyes open and get the fuck off Snapchat and fucking Twitter, cocksucker. Stay black.